This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding. And I am joined again with Jim Sevastio. Hi, Jim. Morning, Brian. Good to see you. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Uh, We are going to jump into another topic. Before we do that, we just want to say thank you for those who have supported the podcast. And actually, we, as we're recording today, we have gotten, we just put out on social media last, last night, what are some topics you want us to cover? And we just got tons of comments and suggestions, really great suggestions. Many we're going to try to do as we record this this month of of podcasts. So just thanks for those who follow the podcast and and help us. If you haven't written a review for iTunes, would you go do that and uh, just give us some feedback so we can grow and and help us to spread the word of the the podcast. You can also go to practicalshepherding.com and there's online resources and there's also a direct way to contact us through the website there. You can you can feel free to do that, but we're grateful for the support many of you have given us. Jim, we want to jump right into the topic and that is uh, one of the one of the questions that was sent in through the post last night, which we thought was just really a great topic we have not covered before, and so we wanted to jump into this, and that is, how does a pastor think through what books of the Bible to preach through in his church? So we want to first put the caveat up that Jim and myself, as many of you know, advocate for the steady diet of a local church is that a pastor preaches expository sermons through books of the Bible. That doesn't mean topical sermons are bad or that you shouldn't do them. We both do topical sermons at different times. Uh, but the st- talk about the steady diet, we would encourage not just expository sermons where the text really drives the sermon, but we would preach through books of the Bible so we can know and understand the author's intent on each of those texts. That's a quick summary of why we would advocate for that. Before we jump into this, and and, and we're going to go back and forth to suggest different books that we would suggest, and maybe why, Jim, would you just remind us why we should preach the Word, why, why that's the focus, why expository preaching even is the best way to accomplish that as we think about what the New Testament says about it. Brian, I think we, you see in the Word of God, obviously, that it is through the the thing preached. It's the foolishness of preaching that God is uh, so often pleased to bless to the conversion of sinners. And then also, as you, you go to a place like Ephesians chapter 4, and the gifts of Christ to the church are given for the stability and the maturity of the people of God. It's going to be by the line-by-line, week-by-week exposure to the truth of God that people are both converted and that they grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, I want to say this too, we ultimately believe that over a period of time, what your hope is that they're going to be exposed to as much of the Word of God as we can possibly do. I mean, they need all of the Word of God. Right. Every passage is given in there, as breathed out by God, and as Paul said to Timothy, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And it's through that knowledge of not just a few select passages of Scripture, a few books of the Scripture, but all of the Scripture given out by God, that we grow and that the congregation grows, and that by which we, one of the encouragements of that passage is there's a particular pastoral application that we are thoroughly equipped to do every good work that we are called to do as we expose our own selves to the entirety of Revelation. Yeah, that's good. And I think I want to start with, as we just dive into this, a question I get asked often that I want to just pose to you, and let's kind of start there. Because we could go back, we're going to go back and forth and talk about different books that either we preached or we would would suggest for pastors to preach and why. 
But the question I get often with a new pastor is they say, what's the first book I should preach? Like they've gone to seminary, they've done a long, grueling Masters of Divinity or whatever mm-hmm. degree they've gotten. They've, talked, they've taken preaching class. They think, they think through all this and they go to their first church and they have to ask themselves the question, what book do I start Where am I going to start? Before we get into that, why don't you give us some parameters on what should cause us to choose books the way we do? Okay, so I'm going to say particularly for a young pastor, I think there are two things. And, and one is your own gifts and ability and knowledge at that particular time. You, you should grow in your gift, and, and you should grow in your knowledge of the, of the Scriptures. You, you're having a seminary degree at 26 is not the end of your knowledge of the Word. That's not so it. You're, you're going to continue to grow and understand, and you're going to understand books of the Bible that you've already preached better uh, as you get older, and you're going to be mature enough and equipped enough to handle subjects at, at 40 that you might not be able to do at 25 or 26. And I think you just need, you need to know that yeah. about yourself. You need to know about your own heart, your own condition. It may be, for instance, that you're going to avoid certain passages on that, that are going to have extended sections on child rearing because you don't have any kids yet. Yeah. And you say, okay, and that's just a condition of life thing. So that's the first thing is your condition of life where you are, where you're starting, and I'll have some more to say about that in a minute, but just by way of big picture. And then the other is, where is this flock? And yeah. are you coming into a situation? You know, Are you the next pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist and – Mark Dever's been preaching there for 30 years and has led them through. Are you going to take over Grace Community where John MacArthur's preached the, the entire New Testament? And, you know, that's different than saying, okay, these are people that it's a revitalization work. They've essentially been starved for years. There's not a lot of theological knowledge. They're newer believers or they've been, they're, they've been shallow Christians. I think those two things are going to determine what you're going to preach. Now, having said that, even with a mature congregation, let's, you know, using the, the picture there, because it was celebrated a few years ago, of MacArthur finishing up his last, and was Mark was the last New Testament book he preached. Or Luke, yeah, Luke, I think. Yeah, I know what you're yeah, talking about. So you go in there, and you're the next guy, and you don't say to yourself, oh, well, he already preached Matthew, he already preached Ephesians. <laughs> you know, well, it might have been 20, 30 years ago that that was preached, but even if it wasn't, it's still the word, and you're not going to just simply be repeating verbatim what was said before. Yep. And it doesn't mean that those people don't need Colossians again right. or Philippians again uh, after a few years or whatever time has passed. So, so I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you mentioned both of those things because I think where we typically go, which is good, is I'm going to choose a book to preach based on who's my flock, how are they doing, what do they need, what do I as their pastor think I, they need to hear. But it's also important to realize that, you know, I tell guys all the time, preach something, especially in the early years, preach something you're confident you'll preach well. Right. It'll help you develop as a preacher. So, you know, I probably would not suggest Ezekiel as your first sermon series. Probably not. You know, just by, by the for the obvious reason. So I'm, I appreciate you mentioning both those things, but I think both of those things are important, especially with a new pastor trying to figure out how to preach try to start his, uh, his preaching ministry in his church. Okay, so let's start with books, Jim. What What's one book you would mention that you think is a good book that that accomplishes both of those things? I think the book of Ephesians, Brian, would be the one I, I, I okay. would pick. It was uh, 
and I I preach through Ephesians, and then I have taught Ephesians several times in uh, overseas seminary contexts. And uh, there are several reasons why I would uh, I would want to pick the book of Ephesians. And I, I real quickly, I think five six things that come to mind is it, just that it's it's doctrinally rich. It but it also then deals with several practical issues that root themselves repeatedly in the gospel. And it's very easy to see the connection with the gospel. Yeah, the gospel keeps, keeps going every back. Week, so you're, yeah, you're, yeah. you're going to regularly be talking about faith and, and the work of you know, God's work. So you, you, you know, for some, you, you're going to introduce, you may introduce some things like, so that words aren't, these aren't bad words, even, you know, election, predestination, or doubt within those, you know, if you're wanting to introduce those and just say, hey, these are Bible concepts. Um, but then you're also going to get into the doctrine of the church. Very helpful. What is a church? And, and some really incredible things that are said about the church and how Christ constitutes the church. There's relevance for racial issues, the Jew-Gentile uh, dynamic that goes on in the early chapters there. You have... Uh, you have the, the, the very incredible, uh, powerful, uh, practical application of the gospel in terms of personal holiness, interpersonal relations, and then you get into the whole doctrine of the family, husbands, wives, children, and then uh, and spiritual warfare. Spiritual so, warfare, I mean, right. this, and the, you know, this is where people are. This is this is the, these are the things that make up life, and uh, so I find in a very condensed way, the book of Ephesians is a rich doctrinal feast and a practical feast. Those are, that, that's a good suggestion. And by the way, I would agree with everything you said. One piece of pushback I'll give in yep. a Southern Baptist context is that a lot of times guys who are coming out are more reformed in their theology yep. than the congregations they're going to. Right. And so I would just put a caution up. So I, I agree with everything you said. I think Ephesians is an amazing book to preach, Paul walks through, makes a strong argument with all his letters that are easy to preach in that way. But chapter one, you're liter- you're dealing with that that about election before the foundation of the world. Like from the get-go, you're having to preach about yeah. election. If people are are attuned to be afraid of that, I'd probably I might avoid it. If if they've never really heard anything and again, I wouldn't use reformed buzzwords. I'd simply say this is it's just Bible. Right. I mean so it was one of the first books I heard when I became a Christian. Sure. And I had no idea. I had no idea what Calvinism was or Reformed theology. It wasn't that. I just saw, oh, there it is in the Bible, and you try to wrap your mind around what was being said. But you're right, Brian. I think yeah. in some cases that might be counterproductive. So here's my suggestion for the first book generally to preach, and that is I think go to the Gospels and preach Mark. It's the shortest of the book. It's the most mm-hmm. concise. There are a couple of hotbed issues in there uh, that I was aware of that when I considered preaching Mark, such as there, you have divorce in there, which affects a ton of congregations. Mm. Do you want to deal with that in your first year? Um, the Sabbath, uh, in, in our context, that was you know that was something that was controversial in old school Southern Baptist. But other than that, preaching the gospel, a gospel as your first sermon series in a church is a great suggestion. I've heard other people suggest that as well, because you're starting with the narrative in the life of Jesus. So you're, in a sense, getting to preach narrative text, which is a story format, but you're getting to learn about the life of Jesus. I think that's a great place to start with uh, when you're beginning your ministry. I did the uh, the Sermon on the Mount was one of the first series I did. Yeah, that's good. And and, and again, just because it's so, in a sense, it's so familiar it's pithy. It, it breaks down nicely and easily. The, the 
each statement and paragraph, I mean, generally speaking, is clear. It's powerful. It's the kind of thing that often leads to uh, self-examination, the exposure of false professions, uh, a, a real sense of the you know, this is serious. You know, the, you know, Jesus is serious and the Christian life is serious. Those are some, and it allows you to, uh, to use some really, really familiar. So it's, it's like an actor being able to maybe that, you know, studied classical acting and being, and, and so Shakespeare's their first play or Hamlet's their first play. It's like, I know this, you know, mm-hmm. this is something yeah. I've studied and this is in my, I think we, you know, we use the term in prep, Brian, you know, kind of something that's in our wheelhouse, and you need to try to understand, you know, what do I, you know, what do I preach well? So you use a, a certain expression. The expression I use to a lot of first-time, second-time preachers is preach what you know, preach what you love. Mm-hmm. And and, and, and yeah, because there's the temptation. I want to seem. I want to show my seminary education. I want to show my eloquence. I want to show that I I'm competent. I want to show. I, and listen, it's not what you don't don't showboat. Don't use it to this isn't about you. This is about feeding that congregation and learning to feed that congregation. And, and you might realize, you know, I I'm not real good right now at doctrinal preaching. I'm far better at at narrative accounts or or vice versa. I, I'm much easier, you yeah. know, opening up the first few verses of Ephesians two than I am, uh, you know, David and Goliath or, you know, an Old Testament narrative or a New Testament narrative. I, I just find I'm I'm stumbling about. So, you know, you need, you know, trying to find your own voice, find your gifts, but then you're going to have to learn eventually to expand those gifts because, you know, you can't just be the guy who preaches parables every week or the right. whatever the case. I would, I would also advocate for, as we think about the, the Old Testament, is to have a steady diet where you're where you're preaching both Old and New Testament regularly. So the practice I have is if I'm doing a New Testament book, when I finish that, I actually go to an Old Testament book. Mm-hmm. That's been my practice the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so in light of sharing why the gospel of Mark or a gospel would be a good thing to preach, I think going to some of the historic narrative texts that tell some of the the key narrative of the old of the history of of Israel, like First and Second Samuel, I mm-hmm. preached through both of those. Right, I did too, and and I loved that. Now there's some tough passages, like you know, I would, and it's also another example of you preach things you wouldn't choose. I mean, I preached one sermon on rape, incest, and murder. I would have right. never chosen to do that, Jim. I, I I'll have my, you know, but my last sermon in Deuteronomy was on nocturnal emissions and excrement in the camp. <laughs> That's right. So you're, you're in Deuteronomy, where you point example, right? So don't start there. By the way, if you're listening, don't that start was with probably Deuteronomy. Probably would not be my first. Sermon. Jim's thirty years into this. Don't start there but you know the the narrative text in the old testament i think are are helpful um and, and again easier to preach even preaching larger chunks and those kind of things so another book jim for you throw it out you throw out there well you just meant the thing i was going to mention next was you know do do make sure you preach something out of the old testament and yeah. so what i did uh, now, back in the old days, uh, I was preaching morning and evening, and so I would generally do morning in the New Testament, evening in the Old Testament. Yeah, okay. So I preached through, I did the Sermon on the Mount, and then my next series was Ephesians, uh, and then I did, in the morning, I did a, 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 then I did Luke, and I did Acts, okay. and, and, uh, and Titus. And so I was trying to tie some of those things in, you know, you know, narratively and thematically. So Luke, and then Acts together, and then one of the yeah. uh, Pauline epistles after that. 
uh, in the Old Testament, I uh, I did start, and, and part of this, uh, <laughs> in retrospect, my wife uh, wanted to—she thought, I'd love to hear preaching about David. David's her favorite Old Testament character, and so that was that was part of— why I did that, but for uh, I found that for a lot of our folk at that time, they had heard very, very little uh, Old Testament preaching, though yep. they'd been Christians in some case 10, 15 years. So, so curious, had your son David been born yet before you and your wife had that interaction and then you preached on David? No, but I we knew uh, when I was when we were dating and that if we got married and if we were to have a son, we would call him David. Okay. So, you already so had I had that three girls first. So, just curious. You know, so just curious. David, David came along 18 years ago or 19 years ago. You mentioned another book that I was going to mention, and I, and I want to emphasize this. The book of Titus, I think, is a wonderful book to preach. Uh, you have – it's short, so it's mm-hmm. compact. Mm-hmm. It's not dense theologically. Right. And the flow of it is this thread of – here, because Paul's writing to Titus on how to set up churches in Crete as right. he's planning churches, yep. so you get a, you get a, a, the the primary focus of, of ecclesiology in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So you have this thread that runs through it of do this, and the gospel is what empowers you to do it, and do this because the gospel empowers you to right. do it. So you have this thread of the gospel that runs right. through all of Titus, but you also have this flow. I think that's incredibly helpful as churches try to think about what what they're supposed to be doing. So it opens with Here's who a pastor is supposed to be, how they qualify, what their job is, and they're to protect from these other people. And then in chapter two, you have those that amazing instruction to old and young, men, women, slaves, masters. You get to see this multi-generational, multi-ethnic church that's supposed to be built, and that the gospel is what does that. So I think it's a beautiful book to be able to preach on that. And it's a helpful book for you pastorally, and Brian, you're touching on this, because it helps you to just openly and honestly before the congregation say... I want you to understand how and why my conscience is gripped to, to do certain things. And so, for instance, there is, you know, there, there are, so here are sins that are addressed culturally. You know, Cretans are always, and then Paul says, these things are true. And then he says, for this cause, we prove them sharply. Yeah. And you say, all right, you know, listen, brothers and sisters, there are going to be times when God's going to call me in faithfulness to address the the Cretan like the American sins or the northern sins or the southern sins or the western sins or whatever. And there tend to be certain ways people are in various parts of the country. Northerners are a certain way, southerners are a certain yeah, way, right. Easterners, Westerners, Midwesterners. And to say, listen, there, there, there are going to be times when the word is going to call for a, a, a cultural evaluation, exposure. I'm going to talk about this maybe later today. You know, when do you expose sin? How do you expose sin? How do you address things? Mm-hmm. Well, you know that, and let them know. Listen, so this is on my heart. So, or, and also, like hey, you, you may even notice here, there's elders here, and and what is that? So again, you're introducing concepts, not because you're you have no agenda ultimately, other than to slowly give the word, mm-hmm. but you do have goals in mind yeah. in which you want to see what does a well-functioning church look like? What's a faithful pulpit ministry look like? And this is going to help me to do that. So, so it co- and that's thing, Titus covers a lot in a short kind of compact way. So it's not three chapters of, you know, you know, rebuke this. No, no, separate. right, right, no, no. It, 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 it hits on it and then moves to something right. else. So it allows you, to, like to your point, to be able to 
just put it out there. Even so, if it's a first year or two, I, I encourage people to preach Titus within the first couple of years because it does that. It brings up these topics you most pastors want to talk about, but you don't want to delve into. You just want to kind of put them on the radar and let let the word do that. All right. Uh, so Old Testament, Brian. What what uh, you mentioned first and second. Uh, Samuel. Samuel, have there been other books that you've preached through? In the I'm preaching through Deuteronomy right now. So yeah, I'm, that, preaching through, I'm preaching through the Genesis now. Okay, and, and I've done sections of Genesis, but I realized I had not preached through the whole book. So I'm in the middle of, of preaching Genesis. Uh, obviously, there there are portions of the Psalms that make wonderful you know series for you to be able to do with with uh, with sermons. But uh, I've preached um, I, I I preached the Minor Prophets. I've preached some of the major problems. Like I preached Ezekiel in a series. You, so about, you did do that. Okay. I did. I preached Ezekiel. Uh, I broke it up a little bit, but I, I got like three chapters in and realized why there's like nobody preaches through Ezekiel. So, but that, but I did that much later, and I was I was grateful again. I mean, for me to have tried to tackle that in the first five years would have been a disaster. Yeah. I actually preached the, all the minor prophets in like six months. Mm. So I, I did bigger chunks of the. I just realized, okay, and that's the other reason I want to stress is that make sure you have a mix of Old and New Testament, not just Old and New Testament, but think about genre of, of literature of text in the Bible. So you're not just preaching Pauline epistles in the New Testament. Right. You're preaching, you know, Acts is a great book to preach. I will say this, I want to throw this out there as we, as we um, last few minutes. We've talked a lot about kind of first few years, but what I found is I waited 10 years to preach Hebrews. I waited 13 years to preach Romans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still have yet to try to preach through Revelation. You know, these are these like core, just meaty uh, books that we have to be mindful of, of helping our people digest them in a helpful way. Uh, how would you, how do you it, it, approach those kind of books, Jim? Yeah, and I think again, Brian, you have to ask yourself. So, starting, you know, who am I? Where am I right now in my own study and my own understanding? So it might be you're growing in your understanding of eschatology, and you and you're, you're maybe some things you're still uncertain about. So you're probably preaching through Revelation isn't going to be your best until you really have studied and really feel like I've got a good grasp on this, and I really think I can I can work through this profitably and answer the questions of of people and their background and some of their popular eschatology that you know if if they've gotten it mostly from Left Behind and. You know some of those kinds of books, and, and you realize well, I'm going to say some things that are going to sound maybe scandalous to them. It's not wise early on to do that. I don't think it's wise to unnecessarily provoke in 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 some of those ways. And again, you yourself might not be ready. I knew a preacher, I, I mean, one of the finest preachers of the 20th century on, on a lot of people's list, the best preacher of the 20th century. But he told me even up until his 60s that he didn't feel he was ready to preach the Romans. And I, that was really, uh, you know, that was really striking to hear him say that. Yeah, yeah. And he just felt like even even though he'd been preaching since he was eighteen, and so for forty years at that point, he just didn't think he had the ability to uh, to preach that in a way over over a number of months that would be profitable. He just didn't think he had that gift yet, and yeah. that, that's a striking thing because I thought well, we can preach anything. And I appreciate you bringing that up because we want to. I want to highlight a couple of things, cautions. Uh, and that is that would be one of them, by the way, to think you could preach for forty years and still shouldn't preach Romans feels a bit over the top for me. Though I appreciate the the, the spirit in what he's talking yeah. about. You know, John Piper taking ten years to preach the Romans like bad idea in general. I just want to put out there, like I and I appreciate what he's doing in it with on and off and things. But but I'm but as a regular steady diet, pick things 
as you know your congregation, you've got to know how much they can digest. I think I broke Ezekiel up into three different portions mm-hmm. so I could take breaks in between because mm-hmm. I just sensed I was wearing people out with right. that. So right, right, again, right. this goes yeah, back to knowing right. you have come to know for, your come up for air sometimes, particularly if you're going through a really dense you, section. You have to know your flock. So as we wrap up, Jim, would you give any final word on this topic to help? pastors as they think through this. Yeah. I think first of all is the recognition if you if you're hearing this and you're thinking oh no I blew it I blew this I blew that it's all scripture is profitable. There there's there's not a single section of the word of God that you're going to deal with that's not going to have some profitability. It's a great point. It. So just so rest in that you you know you you do your best. There's no there's there's obviously no one set thing that we can say we're giving suggestions, we're giving ideas, we're talking about Things after for me thirty years uh, at the same church, and, and uh, you, you look through and say, "Okay, you're glad you did that, and why did you do that?" Other things, you know, you're going to look back and go, "If I had to do over again, I wouldn't do that." Yeah, learn from the, it. the same yeah. way. But again, just just let your confidence be in the Word. Understand that you're going to grow, and you're going to have more opportunities, God willing, to be able to to more helpfully uh, grow in your gift, and then also that your congregation is going to grow, and they're going to have the ability to eat more solid meat as time goes by. But be patient. Don't choke them early on by trying to stuff too much down too quickly. That's a great word. The final thing I will mention that came to my mind is be having regular conversations with your flock and the people who you trust their thoughts and opinions on things. Ask them, get, ask them specifically, how do you feel this series is going? How do you think people are receiving the sermons from this particular book? Get feedback from your trusted leaders and other people in the church that, that you respect and you want and, and that can give you some an idea. They're the people that are going to help you know, okay, people are a bit wore out at this point. Let's maybe take a break, go back and go to something else and then come back. I mean, listen to your people is going to be the best way to know how to feed your people well. So listen to their feedback. So let me take a minute and pray that each of you uh, listening to this will be able to know how to to digest this and implement into your own ministry. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for those pastors who uh, want to preach the word and want to faithfully uh, minister the word to their people. Lord, would you help them to choose wisely where to preach from your word, what what your people need in their particular context and midst. Lord, help us as pastors to be wise, to assess where we are as, as preachers and how we need to grow and use these books we would choose to do that. But Lord, help us to have a confidence in your word most of all, knowing wherever we go, wherever we choose to preach, that you'll be with us and that your word will go out and will not return void. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.